0: Welcome to The Drill Down. We've got the business stories behind Stocks on the Move. I'm Corey Johnson. Today is July 15, and this is episode number 53. Well, just ahead, people are going back to the hospital. We're telling you about what that means for the insurance industry. And when is the semiconductor shortage gonna end? We're gonna hear from the guy who should know, the CEO of Taiwan Semiconductor. And we'll drill down on Apple with our guest, Clockwise Capital Partner, James Chokmok, but first, Sponsor time.
1: The Drilldown is brought to you by Era, a one-stop equity platform where you can seamlessly connect to any earnings call and surface actual insights automatically. Era's AI-powered tools will allow you to work faster and smarter. That's Aira, A-I-E-R-A dot com. Hey, and
0: you are listening to The Drilldown every day is a lot easier if you click follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And hey, while you're at it, why not leave a review? Let the rest of the world know what you find in The Drilldown.
1: And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at DrillDownPod. And connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All right, I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to the Drill Down Business Stories Behind
0: Stocks and a Move. Joining me today, executive producer, Isaac Webster. Isaac, how are you feeling? People want to know? Just great. I'm feeling just great. (laughs) That's not how COVID is supposed to work. (laughs) It doesn't work like that, by the way. It doesn't work like that. All right, well, tell me the three most important developments
1: in the world of business today. All right, here, let's start with it. Number one, China. China's economic rebound slowed in the second quarter. Still, China's factories delivered another stronger-than-expected quarter of output, and hopes are that domestic spending might play a greater role in sustaining momentum in the coming months. Yeah, the global recovery uh, is happening
0: from COVID, every, you know, globally, and uh, China a huge part of that. Global recovery,
1: global. Now, number two, <laughs> This is a story we've been following. If you've been listening to us, we're following this growing concern over Biogen's controversial new al- Alzheimer's drug, Aduhelm. Is that how you pronounce it, Corey? Aduhelm? Sure. Maybe Maybe. Adu-hel- Aduhelm? Aduhelm? Yeah. Aduhelm? A-D-U-H-E-L-M. Aduhelm. Two major American he- health systems have decided that they will not administer this drug to patients. The Cleveland Clinic and Mount Sinai's health system in New York City have decided not to go forward with Aduhelm right now. The Cleveland, the Cleveland Clinic saying, quote, Based on the current data regarding its safety and efficacy, we have decided not to carry Aduhelm at this time. Uh, on the United Healthcare conference call, which you and I will talk about in just a minute, yeah.
0: They dodged this question completely. The, Did CEO, they? Kick, the CEO kicked yeah. it to the chief medical officer. And the chief
1: medical officer said, well, we'll see. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. All right. The next story we're watching today, the Biden administration is rolling out a tool that enables instant permitting of rooftop solar installations. The energy department said this move addresses a major source of industry delays and possibly lowering costs for homeowners. Approvals typically take a week or two, or a week or more, pardon me, and permit-related costs can account for about a third of installers' overall costs. The DOE, Department of Energy, has said that solar energy will need to be installed at a pace as much as five times faster than it is today to realize the White House's goal of decarbonizing the U.S. Electric- electricity grid by 2035. Yeah, I think this is a big deal for the solar industry I only
0: sure. because I learned about this from Lynn Jurek, the CEO of Sunrun. Um so, you know, I think they definitely see this as something that's going to goose uh, their business.
1: Now, Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? All I promised United Healthcare. Let's do it. United Health Group, uh, United Health, United Health Group trades under the ticker UNH. Shares rose slightly today, but for the past 12 months, shares have gained over 38%. So, what's the new story with United Health? Tell me what you heard today. So, they reported a quarter, it was a decent quarter. Um, uh, their profits,
0: um, you know, are, are have have not been great, but revenue over the last uh, three months improved significantly. They rolled in their their Optum Health Services um, is both adding customers and they're seeing people come back. There are a lot of people who just weren't participating in the healthcare system, not even buying insurance. They see that coming back, but their net income was down because medical expenses were up. It's a lot of patients that are seeing going uh, back to medical care uh, that they'd avoided during the worst of the pandemic. Um, and a lot of other health insurance insurers have seen the same thing, where their profits ballooned last year because those people who still had insurance, weren't going to the doctor and weren't using those services. That's, you know, people don't use their insurance as a good business. That is the insurance business, basically, right? It's selling policies to people who won't always need them. So this company, United Health, based in Minnetonka, Minnesota, um, this is the largest, they own the largest health insurer in the country. So I think it's an important one to focus on. And it's also interesting to me that that they have a focus on, they really do want to see people get back into the healthcare system, even if the way they use the healthcare system changes and they want to get people back and they, especially the seniors.
2: One of the big things we've been doing this year is trying to get people, particularly seniors, back into the system. Those who've maybe held back because of the pandemic and we're, as we, you heard earlier, we're glad to see some of that moving, albeit, albeit some way to go. Now, within that, we also recognize there are a whole series of places where, frankly, there are better, more effective ways to deliver care. I'm going to pick out one very simple example just to build on, on what you described. So if I think about some of the work that's going on in RX and within our Infusion business, you can take drugs where perhaps $10,000, $15,000 per treatment for a hospital outpatient, uh, exactly the same drug being delivered by Optima at home infusion, $3,500. I mean, just just that kind of that's the kind of impact that we can deliver through really thoughtful application of uh, location of delivery and, and the like.
0: And that was the CEO of uh, United Health Group, Andrew Whitty.
1: Now, Corey, what is your next drill down? Let's look at the joint. The joint. I've never heard of this company. Joint trades with the ticker JYNT. Shares rose over 6% today. And for the past 12 months, shares have gained 474%. So tell me about Joint. What do I need to know? The Joint is a
0: franchise chiropractic company. So they uh, are kind of trying to change the way people see the chiropractor. Um, gotcha. the chiropractic services, very profitable business. Um, and they've kind of changed the model here. They launched in 2010, publicly traded now. And as you mentioned, doing quite well. Uh, they're capitalizing the trend that uh, of offering chiropractic services at a lower cost. So, if your typical chiropractic visit is normally about seventy-seven dollars, they say in their in their filings, they offer it for twenty-nine bucks, so a lot lower. And they think they get the people to come in for more sessions. Um, and it's a franchise uh, business, but so they they get money from their franchisees, and they try to promote it as a brand across the country. They've been adding stores like crazy. They say that they average. Uh, about thirteen hundred and fifty dollars a month, um, as opposed to six hundred a month for a patient um, in uh, traditional chiropractic operations, because it's so much lower. People think the don't think of it so much when they go in so often. Now they've uh, it's a classic old franchise model. They own very few of the clinics. Ninety percent of them are owned by franchisees, and then they take those franchise fees and try to come up with some things, not just promotions, but actually they're working on a digital platform. And it's been slow to get this new digital platform out this whole new IT platform. Uh, they've missed some of their own deadlines and their CEO, Peter Holt, however, really is talking about what they're going to get to. It hasn't come out. It's not even going to come out this summer. But he says when they get there, it's going to make a big difference for the joint.
1: Uh, this whole issue, if you
0: look at the 21st century, is this marketing to you as an individual. We can access who you are and target what you want or what your issues are and, and craft the message to you, which improves the ability to your whole marketing strategy in a way that we've never had access before. I've always thought that this concept, one of the most powerful assets we have is our data. And on this new platform, it allows us to do so many things with that data that we simply can't do until we get to that newer platform. But these are all things coming down the road. This is Access 1.0. And so I don't want you to get ahead of ourselves. I know that this absolutely
2: creates a foundation that propelled us into that 21st century, but we've got to get through this lift and shift first.
0: So lifted up under the new IT program, shift into the new business model. I got to say that some of that made me think of our interview with the Purple Innovation CEO, who yeah. said some of the same kind of things about how, you know, there is, is it a mattress company? Sure, but it's a digital data company that gets to know their customers and market to them digitally. Really interesting and, and kind of a common story we're hearing from
1: so many companies. I mean, these prices you just mentioned with the joint, that is significantly lower than it costs here in Los Angeles to go to a chiro- chiropractor. It's gonna cost you $150 out of pocket. Wow. Every time, yeah. You got some swanky chiropractor you're seeing, Isaac. I mean, I, I do not go to the chiropractor for that reason. I've gone, a, you know, I've gone a few times, but how sustainable is that when you have to pay out 150 bucks every time? It's just not, you know, when, say what you will about how efficient chiropractors are, but who knows, that's another, that's another story. Efficacious or not, yes, hold it the door. I'm not getting into that one. I don't either. Corey, what's your next drill down?
0: Hey, let's look at the semiconductor giant that is Taiwan Semiconductor.
1: Ah, uh, yes. TSM. Shares fell over 5% today, but for the past 12 months, shares have gained 78%. So what's new with uh, Taiwan Semiconductor? Second quarter earnings. So second quarter uh, revenue,
0: really strong. Sales up 20% year over year for you know, arguably the biggest uh, semiconductor company there is. But the cost of that revenue is up even more up 27%, R and D costs up 24%. So rising costs far outpacing rising revenues and TSM's looking for, to, it's going to be less profitable now, despite the fact that there's a surge in demand for semiconductors and prices. Big question on everyone's mind, of course, is how long is the global shortage of semiconductors going to last? And will it finally alleviate perhaps yet this year, the end of this year, or could it stretch into 2022? Here is the CEO CC way.
2: Well, Oku, let me uh, answer your question. Uh, let me share with you our perspective on the shortage right now. The current saving conduct capacity shortage is being driven by both a structural increase in long-term market demand and also a short-term imbalance in the supply chain due to uncertainties from COVID-19 and political tensions. And, uh, that may or may not persist. We do not rule out the possibility of an inventory correction in the future, but we expect our capacity to remain tight throughout this year and extend at into 2022. So there you
0: have it 2022. Um, and this is the guy, this is the guy who knows, um, and that's that's not good news for really any kind of company out there. I mean, we heard it from Purple Innovations. No. We heard it from the from the car makers. Um, everybody's waiting in more semis. Uh, we saw, you know, the car make, what do we see in inflation in this country, right? We saw that a third of the inflation in the last month in this country came from rising used car prices. Used car right. prices are so high because they can't get new cars. You can't get new cars because you can't get semiconductors. And CC way telling us you're not going to be able to get the semiconductors you want even into 2022. All right. Let's move on and get Clockwise Capital Partner James Chalkmack, one of our favorite guests, with literally
1: the biggest company in the world. We're gonna drill down something new with Apple. The drill down is brought to you by Era. Era's event access and monitoring intelligence platform improves earnings season and the investor events in between through comprehensive calendar tracking, one-click event access, dynamic monitors, multicasting, and more. Powered by an advanced language processing engine, which consumes some 40,000 investor events annually across 10,000 global equities. Learn more at era, era.com. And remember to join the drill down on Twitter and Instagram by following at down pod. And check out our website, bizpod.net. Let us know what stocks we should be drilling down on. All
0: right, welcome back to the drill down. Corey Johnson, of course. We are joined by James Chalkmock of Clockwise Capital from the Warm, sunny, tropical environs of Miami, Florida. James, nice to see you. You brought a company I've heard of before. I've covered before. Apple. <laughs> Apple just called Apple. No longer called Apple Computer. Well, um, That's how old I am. Convince me that this story is interesting.
3: <laughs> that's, a, that's a great introduction. Um, yeah, Apple, I think, is interesting from a number of respects. But the way we look at it, really boils down to is this company an essential service is it a staple or not and the second part to that is is are the growth opportunities that can emerge from this company underappreciated or not and i think the answer to both those questions is yes it is an essential service and yes uh the new markets that they can enter are underappreciated because when we think about it you know, Apple and their products used to be luxury goods. And, you know, today, you know, when you think about consumer staples, you know, they used to be, you know, the Coca-Cola's of the world. But do you really need Coca-Cola to run your life or do you need a company like Apple? So we think that as a whole in the market, people will need to rethink what is defined as a consumer staple and what isn't. And obviously the staples Uh, command premium multiples and we think apple falls into that category and when you think about the future and the new applications that can emerge you know the people's lives are changing and we think that they're changing permanently from a centralized one to a decentralized one so what types of companies can help you navigate that shift uh, that we're experiencing that's been accelerated because of the uh, pandemic and i think apple falls into that camp
0: as well Really? All right. So let's talk about specifically what was accelerated for their business, you know, Mm -hmm. into the 18 months of the pandemic and changed behavior going forward. We'll see what that is. Um, They obviously sold a lot of Apple uh, MacBooks in particular, Um, and Mm -hmm. that was a fantastic business for them. And that, in that period, somewhat constrained by their ability to get parts and and semiconductors for those products. Uh, iPads also uh, notably constrained. Um, But I, I would, I would think that a lot of that was just pulling demand forward that people who are gonna get a new computer in a couple of years all got it this year because they're working from home?
3: I think in part that's true. I think that's why you saw a resurgence in the Mac sales and iPad sales. That's why China surged as well. But at the end of the day, you know, are we going to be working? Uh, our, will we be leading our lives in the same way that we did before? And I think the short answer to that is no. I think people uh, are rethinking um, what it means to have a flexible work-life balance. I think businesses are rethinking the fin- first principles of how um, they should operate and how they can operate, and and these types of products um, that promote connect- connectivity, collaboration, and um, and uh, just seamless business operations and and personal connections. I think are just going to be of increasing importance over time and. And the genie's out of the bottle, and I don't think it's going back in.
0: Yeah, but in terms of growth, I mean, is there really a lot of room out there for iPhone growth, which is, of course, their biggest product?
3: I think that's fair. I mean, look, the street is looking for about 5% revenue growth, um, compound growth over the next couple of years. Um, so we're not seeing kind of the gangbuster double-digit 20%-plus growth that you know that we saw before. Uh, it, it, the markets are maturing. But at the same time, um, as they get into new categories um, and new ways of using their devices, I don't think that's fully appreciated either. And I, I think we know what we know, which is kind of where the company is, but we don't know what we don't know, which is where the company you, can now? get into. <laughs>
0: Was that your tribute to the late Donald Rumsfeld? The known unknowns? Well, all right. So here's a known. This company has not been over 10% um, market share in computing. Uh, maybe ever certainly not in the last thirty years. Um, now they're now they're making inroads. I think they got up to, by some reports up to eight and a half percent of of um, uh, PC sales, uh, but that's still paltry compared that's to fair. Lenovo, HP, Dell.
3: That's fair. I mean, look, the, the device sales are the core of the offering today. But the growth categories of the, the biggest driver of the growth of the business is the services side of the business. And and that's also the highest incremental margin. You know, you have yeah, about 66
0: percent like th- margins last year.
3: Exactly. And which is basically the inverse of what you're getting on the product side.
0: Well, um, I don't know. And, I mean, I, I, look, I think one of the most interesting things about the way that they've run that company since, you know, since Steve Jobs came back to that company and obviously he's in, in Tim Cook continued um, is, is the gross margin performance is the fact that they've been able to command 30% plus margins on their, on their hardware in an industry that is typically single digit margins.
3: Yes. And not only do we see margin improvement potential just from the growth of their services business, which is a higher margin mix. um, But also on the product side, because now they're building their own chips. Um, You have the M1 chips inside the Apple devices um and uh they the form factors that they're introducing in the phones are iterations of what they had before uh so, so therefore it should be should, cheaper
0: to cheaper it's not, you're not starting from scratch anymore
3: precisely so so you have that margin improvement but really what excites us um uh, putting the current valuation aside which may be slightly stretched um but is the new opportunities like for example you look at healthcare i mean how do you put a value on what apple could mean from a healthcare perspective, and 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 having the ability to to monitor uh, your body and having the ability to provi- provide provide uh, predictive healthcare by uh, by by crunching the numbers and and you on on your bio. So you know there's so many different things that they can get into. Obviously, gaming is another uh, component. Um, payments uh, is another component. So these are kind of Opportunities ripe for disruption, and people tend to underestimate how disruptive these things can be.
0: Yeah, the acceleration of of usage of Apple Pay during the pandemic was really interesting, right? Where where all these stores with this, this touchless, touchless is really mm-hmm. important when when a touch can kill, right? And uh, I don't know, to put, <laughs> right. find a point on it, but uh, but that you know does that really accrue to them? They don't charge for that service
3: now. They don't, you know, but. We don't. There's so much opportunity um, in payments as a whole as we go forward. Obviously, you know that they have the Apple Pay card, they have the partnership with Goldman Sachs, they have the touchless payments, but there's other avenues in which they can go and monetize and 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 try to uh, capture some level of the economics of the transactions that occur um, across. Uh, the world, you know, both analog and digital means yeah. of transactions.
0: Well, and I don't, I don't want to get too far down the line of talking about valuations, but I can see a world where, so for example, you mentioned China, you know, their business in China is actually well off of what it had been. Um, and um, there's lots of reasons for that. Um, product selection, competition, uh, slowdown in China uh, during COVID. Um, but it, it is a lot smaller than it used to be. One could imagine that it could go back to where it was. One could probably imagine a world where more people are using Macs and not uh, uh, Windows PCs, right? Because that's that's a, a trend we're seeing a little bit of. That's probably got a long way to go. Um, the AirPod has turned out to be a great business for them, even though my AirPods annoy the hell out of me. But uh, uh, that's turned out to be a great business for them, a, a, a real success, where they haven't had a lot of product launch success, new product launch success. You know, even the iPad fallen off of, of where it had been. It looked like it was going to, Kind of be straight up and to the right and it didn't really turn out that way
3: <laughs> you you're just you're hating on apple right now let me ask you do you do you use an I'm supposed iPhone? to support
0: you I'm supposed do to you use you an out?
3: iphone do you use an iphone
0: look I'm, I'm 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 looking at you on a mac this podcast is being recorded on a mac i've got an iphone i've got an ipad i've got an uh i've, I've got the airpods um i've got the apple watch i mean okay which iphone point? do you
3: have the iphone 12
0: yeah, but it's not too early to start shopping for my birthday. It's, it's only a few months away.
3: So you have the newest iteration of the phone. You have all of the peripheral devices that connect to the phone. You do all of your work on a Mac device. We're speaking right now and recording on a Mac device. Your entire world is centralized around Apple. I think that is going to translate into many other people. And I think what you're forgetting, or maybe maybe we haven't talked about I would never argue uh make the case that you forgot something
1: you've always but the uh
3: (laughs) but the um i think what we're not talking about is the fact that privacy is really a feature of apple and i don't think you can say that with any other company out there and as we do become more decentralized which i think is a permanent thing still to reiterate that um privacy the feature of privacy uh, prioritization is going to only be of increasing importance so all consumers and businesses alike
0: um well, how important is them for to you know some of the things that they've struggled with, like their what's it, cause their speaker thing called the i home or whatever it's called
3: um, I mean look the, the, they're trying to i think maintain relevance in a in a competitive world for owning you know the living room obviously Amazon Alexa has done well with that I mean what keeps me up at night is is not these um, small successes or wins on or losses on new efforts um, on the product side, but more so, obviously, regular regulation, um, I think, is a risk uh, for them. Um, what's going to happen with the with the app store? Um, will de- will they treat developers fairly? You know, th- those are things that we're looking at, and obviously, um, you know, how much room do they give? Um, to kind of please all parties, all whether regulatory or uh, on the developer front.
0: They have been spending a fortune. They always have, but they're spending a fortune on research and development. I mean, mm-hmm. nearly $19 billion last year on R&D. Yep. Well, what are we getting out of that?
3: <laughs> well, as
0: I stump the band?
3: Obviously. Well, no, I mean, I, I I'm not privy to their R&D. And I'm sure most people at Apple aren't, um, right. you know, except for the the top top ranks. But um, obviously, there there must be a lot of things that they're working on uh, that um, are part of the future that are just not um, uh, in the market yet.
0: Well, and let's let's talk we, about one of those. Um, yeah, the, the widely rumored and a little bit leaked Apple car is that something that's important mm-hmm. when you start to look at the future of this company? I don't. They come out with I don't it?
3: really. Th- I don't think so. I think I think it's more the the connectivity uh, afforded on the software layer across devices, uh, more so than the actual physical devices themselves. So as long as they have, obviously, they have Apple CarPlay. Um, you know, continued iteration on that, continued um, you know partnership with OEMs to. I to like make the sure CarPlay. That I had it
0: in a rental car. Uh, when I was back east a couple weeks ago.
3: Yeah, it, it's it's fantastic, and it's really. Th- tough to think about cars not having it today and you know so as that software integration uh to us is it's of greater importance than being able to compete with other OEMs on cars because i mean at the end of the day i think you know tesla is leaps and bounds ahead uh, of any of the competition
0: well you know i love that one but we don't want to get off on mm-hmm. my buddy <laughs> what's his name again the guy's ceo of that company So, all right, so when you look at at changes coming down the line, I guess then it sounds like the things you're worried about are fundamental changes to their business model being put upon them. For example, this court case they've got going with the game maker, the Fortnite maker, um, about in-app sales and so on.
3: Yeah, I'm worried, um, but more so near term. You know, I'm worried about the market's reaction to it more so than a fundamental change in the overall business model I think that they're probably going to have to give some ground but I think the market also expects that um, it's more you know how they handle it how proactive they are in ensuring that it is fair for everybody um, and and the developers that they depend on so I would like to see them take a more proactive approach so they're going to have to give them some ground ultimately so it may be a short-term blip but I think long term they'll easily be able to, to navigate around it. It's, it's more so kind of um, what is, you know, trying to get our head around kind of how big these emergent opportunities can be, like, the, like on the financial services side as well as on the healthcare side.
0: Interesting stuff. James, thank you. James Chakmak of Clockwise Capital. How can people keep track of your thoughts? You're a very good writer, for example.
3: Sure. Um, ClockwiseCapital.com. Uh, you can see
0: everything about us there, as well as on Medium and Twitter. All right, thanks you, James Chalkman. Appreciate your time. All right up next, the drill down bite—the one number that tells us a whole lot. I talked about how much smaller Apple's business is in China from just a couple of years ago. We'll tell you exactly the percentage decline in the last two years of Apple's business in China.
1: Right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era, a one-stop equity platform where you can seamlessly connect to any earnings call and surface actionable insights automatically. Aira's AI-powered tools will allow you to work faster and smarter. That's Aira, A-I-E-R-A dot com.
0: And you can listen to the Drill Down podcast on any of your favorite podcast <laughs> platforms. I strongly advise doing so daily. For example, during your commute, maybe you're walking the dog. These are all opportunities to listen to the Drill Down. I hope you make it part of your daily diet business
1: news. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at drill down pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All right, now it's
0: time for the drill down bite. that one number that tells us a whole lot Remember the percentage decline of Apple's business in China. So their fiscal year, it ends at the end of September. And in 2018, um, the company's business was, here's that bite. 22% 22% larger in China than it is today. So really substantial drop um, in China for Apple, which you know suggests to me, maybe they can get that back. And that's a place where they might not have to invent a new car, for example, in order to get back to that, you know, $52 billion number of sales in China, which now is down, all the way down to 40 billion, or at least for 2020, it was down to 40 billion. All right, well, that's the drill down. We appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to us. The drill down is a production of the business podcast. Network.